another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I'm here with Reese, a.k.a. Referees, and we're going to break down the unfortunate first loss for the Kansas City Chiefs in this 2021 season against the Baltimore Ravens. It was a 36-35 narrow loss to the Baltimore Ravens, and Reese and I are going to break down every single detail that went wrong, maybe some things that went right for us, but um, it's actually good to have a come-to-Jesus moment right now, Reese, as opposed to week 17. Um, what are your initial thoughts, Reese? Why don't we just get right into it? Maybe maybe we'll talk about how your week was uh, a little later, but uh, this, is, this is very pressing on our hearts because we haven't lost since the Super Bowl, and then before the Super Bowl, we hadn't lost for a really, really long time, so... Here we go, Reese. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. The game sucked. <laughs> the whole thing sucked. It was stupid. They like the Ravens weren't even that good. We just couldn't. I mean, we wouldn't be able to stop cornflakes from being crunchy outside of milk. Our defense was a sieve. You know, it's we we could have. I don't know what we could have done. We could have glued two of our defenders wide, given them the Sage speed attributes, and they would have been able to stuff that run. Lamar Jackson didn't even play that well. He threw three interceptions throughout the game. Don't forget, he threw an interception that was almost returned in that two-point conversion. He threw three interceptions that night. I don't care what the box score counts him as. So, I mean, it, it was dumb. The better team lost. But our defense is just like catastrophically bad right now. I have I have other players in my doghouse. I'm sure we're gonna get to. But if, if I leave chicken and pickle mad, you know that they done screwed up. Because chicken and pickle is impossible to leave without a smile. <laughs> and that is referees, everyone. He is fired up and we're ready to go today. Uh, yeah, no, I. You know what? I I feel like this was a good loss for us to have because this wasn't a fluke loss. Like, yeah, there were things that happened that like us as Kansas City fans can say this was a fluke. Like, oh yeah, if CH shouldn't fumble the ball, then we then we would have been okay. But then honestly, if we would have won this game, then we would have given our defense a pass. And like, this is a, this is a good opportunity for us to just hold the defense to the fire because we, we gave them a pass after the Browns game because we won. But like, imagine us, uh, imagine us like going seventeen and zero into the playoffs with this mediocre defense. We probably would never address the defense because we won every single game. So to me, it's actually good that we lost now, so that now we can blame the defense, right? We can actually like put their feet to the fire. So I'm I'm fired up to talk about the defense today to break it down, and I'm actually kind of happy. To bring them down in order for us to build them up. I don't know how we're going to, but we're going to have to do something, Reese. But you're right. You're right. We we lost because of our defense. We talked about this last week against the Browns, how we could not stop the run. And I, you know what? Screw it. Why don't we just go straight to it, Reese? We're going off the cuff. We're going off the cuff today. Reese, did you see how many rushing yards the Baltimore Ravens had? Uh, the Baltimore Ravens probably had enough rushing yards that if each one was a dollar, I could buy a PS5 <laughs> or maybe a PS4 more realistically. You're, you're 250. Give me that. I'm going to say the push is 250. Ooh, you, you should really be a betting man, Reese. 
251 rushing yards on the ground Ooh. against against the Kansas City Chiefs, against someone who I said was going to be the defensive player of the year, Chris Jones, against someone who most in Kansas City think is a pro bowler, who Reese does not, in Frank Clark. And for us to tout this defensive line that we said that was super deep and we were so excited to see make a statement in the 2021 season. 251 rushing yards. Are you kidding me, Reese? Reactions. It's unacceptable. And I don't know if it's, well, I don't know if it's a matter of scheme or if it's a matter of the players just not doing their part. I know scheme-wise, it is inexcusable to me that Dan Sorensen was on the field for 77 snaps to Juan Thornhill's 12, especially after the game we saw Juan play in week one. The answer at this point can't be he doesn't know the playbook. He obviously does. The answer can't be he's still healing up his knee because he balled out the week before. There was no excuse to not have your faster, more athletic player on the field. Same thing goes. How many times was Neiman in the linebacker core instead Ugh. of Bolton? I don't care how much guys like this might know the playbook and have a great attitude and a great character, guys. It, I'll say it again. It makes no difference if they know the playbook, if they're going to be at the spot they should be at, but get burned or can't make the tackle to begin with. I would rather have guys that are going to get burnt but can make up for it on the very same play athletically be on the field. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same thing that you were saying, Reese. We have an issue with athleticism and being able to tackle. Not only am I saying this, but this was the big thing that Andy Reid was saying. This is what Tyron Matthew was saying. Even Frank Clark was bold enough to to bring down the defense even though he is uh to also the deficit of the defense he's one of the main reasons why we didn't do well he didn't stop the run well i didn't see frank clark at all during anything but that but that's the big thing reese is that we do have people that we've relied on in the past that we think we can continue to rely on but when you play back-to-back weeks against the top rushing teams in the nfl the cleveland browns and the baltimore ravens to me they are one and two and statistically they are one and two right we are facing the best rushing teams and we put ben neiman we put Sorensen, and expect them to tackle and hit hard every single week when we have people like nick bolton when we have juan thornhill um that have are proven tacklers right like these people can bring these people to the ground seeing what we saw against the browns we couldn't we, we couldn't tackle this like the past couple of days i mean look there, there is no excuse for it. This, These are things that they have been working on during the year. Spag said the entire year they had been, or sorry, the entire training camp, they had been running red zone situations for the defense to get them going. Where was it? Where was it? It was, it was nowhere. And I know these are the best rushing teams in the NFL, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter, right? The What we've been saying for the past three years is that this defense just has to be average. Against an elite rushing team, you don't have to be incredible. You just have to be average. And we are extremely below average on the defensive line, extremely below average in our linebacking core. Pretty. <laughs> what's funny is that our, our cornerbacks actually look the best out of everyone from the past three years. It was usually the cornerbacks that didn't. But yeah, everything just looks awful and 
inexcusable. Like you have to be able to tackle. Have to. It's so much of it too is the fact that it was like the defensive line and the linebackers seemed to have no idea what their responsibilities were on any given play. How many times, especially in the RPO, did you see them like bite on the ball carrier oh and not even have a spy on Lamar? Like complete halves of the field were open. So by the time it gets past the front seven, it's like we're expecting Dan Sorensen and uh, Tyron Matthew to do like all the heavy lifting at that point. That's, that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and another thing to that, I know Chris Jones has said after the game, or maybe it was Andy Reid that talked about Chris Jones, that Chris Jones, even though he's playing defensive end now, he still can't figure out those RPOs and like what to do in situational things. It's easier when you're a defensive tackle, right? You just have one job just to get through the line. But now when you're a defensive end, you 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 can't just go ahead and rush the quarterback, especially in an RPO situation. You have to have that mindset of being able to adjust. So Chris Jones is kind of learning on the fly. And when your best defensive player is learning on the fly, yeah, how do you think we're going to do? Of course, 251 yards rushing on the ground is going to happen when your best defensive player is kind of like uh, throwing his arms up in there. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know if it's going to go to Tyson Williams. I don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to keep it. Although Lamar Jackson is going to keep it, by the way, 107 yards on 16 carries. Are you kidding me? Also, like, like not only was it 251 yards, it was 251 yards on 41 carries, which means that it was almost seven yards per carry. So this wasn't even like a fluke of a long run. It was every single time they were going down the field. Like, oh my gosh, incredibly embarrassing. Reese, is there what, if, if you are spags, what is the adjustment? I know you had just brought up Juan Thornhill, you know, just let, let's get rid of Dirty Dale, let's get rid of Ben Neiman, but is there any other thing that you see that, that can be adjusted? Because because this is not only 2021, this is 2020 Chiefs D-line, this is 2019 Chiefs Chiefs D line and it's definitely 2018 so what what do we do one thing that's been frustrating for me during the Spagnuolo tenure so far is he has not been able to dial up pressure with the defensive line unless he is calling in some sort of special blitz scheme he, he can't get any pressure rushing for, which isn't for a lack of talent. You got Chris Jones, Frank Clark didn't we sign Jerron Reed in the offseason isn't he supposed to be some sort of dynamo haven't seen him. Well, we have. I mean, I know he's there, but <laughs> we have talent. We have rotational depth. I don't know why we can't get any pressure whatsoever without dialing him a blitz. So that's number one. Number two, as you mentioned, we need to have our best athletes to give us the best chance to win on the field, and that does not include Dan Sorensen and Ben Neiman. Like I know, Dirty Dan, LOL, lols the memes. I get he makes like one big play a game. Then in that case, save him as a rotational player then. Like, bring him in on plays where he makes Dirty Dan plays. Speaking of which, if it weren't for that, like, Charmin soft illegal contact call on Tyron Matthew, Dan Sorensen would have had a great sack. I mean, so I'm going to give him that. But again, you can't be having a guy who misses more often than not on the field for over three quarters of your snaps. That's just killer, man. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, what you had talked about, and we can segue into some brighter days for the Kansas City Chiefs, that that, that Tyron Matthew illegal contact leads into that Lamar Jackson flip touchdown, which he just walks into it, does the flip. Um, I think it was yesterday that he had complained of soreness because of that flip. Well, yeah, I hope you have soreness. You, uh, I can't say what I want to say about Lamar Jackson. Well, but dumb. But yeah. 
Yeah, so it was at that point that they had uh, one point up on us, right? 36-35 was, was that touchdown. So, look, yes, technically we were one illegal contact away from winning that game. Yes, technically we were one CEH fumble away from winning that game. But still, these problems are consistent, have not been addressed, have been addressed by new players, but it's the same old scheme. So, it, so yes, is it Spags then? Are you putting the blame on Spags or are you putting it on the players? Well, I'm Reese? putting it on Spags. I really think I am. I, th- I think it's a combination and it all starts with the head and Spags is the head. The reason I'm saying this is if we knock out the Tampa Bay Super Bowl debacle and we knock out week 17 against the Chargers and we played all our second stringers, 10 right. of 12 games have come down to one last drive. Why are our games always coming down to a final drive? If we're putting up 30 points, why are we holding our breath that the other team or our that our defense can stop the other team when they're going for a tying or go ahead field goal last drive of the game? Why are we asking Patrick Mahomes every game to march down the field with 45 seconds to get us into field goal range? How come when we're up Two touchdowns plus on teams like the Dolphins, we can't close those games out. I should be flipping the channel with four and a half minutes left in games like that, but they always seem to come down to the wire. Why can't this defense make a stop? I I, I can't answer that for you, and it's almost every time that I watch the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and, and we'll talk about the Chargers and the Chargers preview, but... Every time that Austin Eckler is going to get the ball, I'm just going to assume that Austin Eckler is going to have seven yards next week. Every single time he carries the ball. Yes, Austin Eckler is good, but he is not seven carry seven yards per carry good. And that's what the Ravens look like. That's what the Browns looked like. I mean, even freaking De- Devontae Freeman. Devontae Freeman is like the fourth running back on the Ravens who just got signed. Had two carries for 29 yards. He's averaging 15 yards per carry. I mean, come on. This is, this is the fourth string running back they had just signed that is doing numbers on our defensive line so inexcusable you're right there's not enough su- surprise blitz packages everything looks very predictable uh yes we have the talent but we don't seem to have the scheme there you have it i'm glad we talked about that first and then we can talk about some good stuff before we <laughs> before we talk about others um anything you want to add to the to, to the to the defensive bashing reese uh no, I mean it, it was Bob, it's Bob Sutton levels of bad right now, which is so bizarre because last year the defense wasn't bad all the time. It's like I said, it would we would just tend to let teams hang around in games too much because they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, like if, if we have to get the ball forty five seconds left, we know Mahomes can get us into field goal range. Which I mean, heck, he did this game. But it's just like, I don't know if the defense has no tenacity, if the defense has no discipline, if we don't have talented enough players, if we don't have a good defensive coordinator, but they are always letting teams back into games. I mean, look at the Buccaneers this last week. They let the the Falcons come back, and they made it. It was like 28-7 at one point, and I flipped over, and it was 28-25 in the fourth. I'm like, oh, we got a game. And there was like nine minutes left, and I, I flipped back later seeing the scores. They won like 48-28. It's like their offense was able to get it going enough to drop another 20 points in the fourth quarter with under 10 minutes, and like their defense was good enough to cause turnovers and get stops on the Falcons. How come our defense can't get stops on like anyone you know Reese, it's it's good that you brought up the tampa bay bucks because now i have the question for you 
if the Super Bowl was tomorrow against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and both teams stand the way they are, who wins? Oh, the Buccaneers. They, they would kill us. They still run too deep. They have like, if the Browns are the target running back duo, you know, you got Chubb and Hunt. The Buccaneers, at the very least, are the Walmart version with Fournette and Jones. <laughs> You know, it's like two just like big beefy. It hurts to hit them ta- or it hurts to tackle their running backs. So that spells bad news for us. And then on top of that, Tom Brady doesn't throw the ball. He just dinks and dunks and does screen passes, which has just been eating us up all year so far, including, you know, the back half of last year, as we saw in the Super Bowl. So truth be told, it's like we're, we're not better than the Buccaneers right now until this defense shores up puts on their big boy pants and gives any semblance of being a competent defense like we're, we're not the best team in the NFL that's okay yeah and and you know what that like like you said like this is a good slap in the face for us because you're right like we can't run this Pixar movie type comeback every single week and you can't do that in the playoffs and you can't do that against a guy named Tom Brady because Tom Brady won't fall for the for the Pixar movie comeback, right? He'll see Patrick Mahomes score three touchdowns and say, fine, I still have the ball. I still have two minutes left, right? And, and I think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens credit to them for not giving up because they had many a chance in that first quarter to just give up but Lamar's seen this movie over and over and over again and I'm sure they expected it they said you know what like we Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes he's gonna beat us down the field he's gonna score 35 we just got to score more and we're just gonna run it down their throats until they can stop us and we could not stop them so I'm glad it happened now like I said in the beginning of the podcast because if this happens week 17 and all of a sudden we lose a game because of our defense then we're just gonna put our hands up in there and say I don't know what to do the playoffs start next week we can't do a thing but now they have enough time to figure it out and you know what hot take bondos here Reese if we if, if this happens in the playoffs, if we lose in the playoffs because of our defensive line, Spags has to go. I'm calling for the firing of Spags if we lose in the playoffs because of our defensive line. I'm, I'm just going to make it that simple because that's been a common theme for me. I just want us to be average. If we are mediocre and we're letting someone score over 200 rushing yards on us or have 200, 150 rushing yards on us, then Spags has to leave after the 2021 season. Well, I, I, I kind of, that's a really hot take. It won't happen because I think Andy's too nice, as we saw with Bob Sutton. But, you know, Andy said earlier in the week that they're going to go, you know, for defensive schemes, quote, go back to the drawing board. Now, what that means, you know, it could just be Andy talk, given the, you know, the canned reporter answers. But who knows? If I were Andy Reid, I would have honestly taken Steve Spagnuolo into the conference room on Monday and been like, Steve, why can't we stop anyone ever right now? How come we lost scoring 35 points? How come they didn't punt once? How come outside of forcing a couple turnovers the entire year, we haven't been able to get a stop on third down a single time? You know, I I think those are all fair questions that Spagnola needs to be held accountable for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so if... Actually, okay, let's let let's keep going on this negative train. So we're calling for the firing of Spags. Reese, CEH, 3.5 yards per carry, including the fumble, 
Not only that, but the Chiefs elect to run Daryl Williams into the red zone and not CH for that red zone touchdown, which we rarely see a red zone rush, right? It's always a gadget play to one of the offensive linemen, or it's a, a gadget play to Tyreek Hill. It's a jet sweep, or it's a it's a shovel pass to, to Travis Kelsey. But the one time they run a running play into the end zone, it's not even CEH. So, Reese... Is CEH a starting running back in the NFL? I'm going to counter your question with one question I want you to think about, and I'll I'll let you answer when I get done my two cents. <laughs> my question to you now is going to be, what does Clyde Edwards-Alaire do well? Think about that for a second. Because at this point, I can't tell you what Clyde Edwards-Alaire does well. He is not fast. He's not strong. He's not big. He's supposed to be this immaculate receiving running back, but we never dial him up, so is he that good? I mean, if you asked me the same question about someone who's been getting a lot of hate from the Chiefs for the last year and a half, I'm talking McCole Hardman. If you said, what does McCole Hardman do well? I'd say, well, he's elite-level fast. He at least has that going for him. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I couldn't tell you. And after a very disappointing rookie campaign, which albeit did have COVID, you know, it did have a not great offensive line, so people are kind of giving him a mulligan. I'm getting to the point now that have you ever seen the film uh, Office Space? Yes. So you know that scene where, like, you know, they, they brought in the two corporate guys to kind of interview people about layoffs and all that stuff, you know, and the question they always ask is, you know, okay, so, you know, first off, tell us what you do here. And later on in the film, they're talking to Lumberg, who's the manager of like that branch, and he gives them like a few lukewarm answers. And I can't remember what that what he says that triggers it, but like the two corporate guys look at each other and they say, "So what is he?" You would say, "Sorry." They look at each other and say, "So what is it you would say you do here?" And I think this game was the what is it you would say you do here moment for Clyde Edwards-Alaire because we've been kind of looking past and waiting for him to really blossom and really turn into this running back that we spent a first-round draft pick on, and we're willing to turn a blind eye to the fact that he's been very mediocre in all phases of the game, but when he finally loses us a game, I think that was everybody's so what is it you would say you do here moment. (laughs) <laughs> that was that was very well thought out, and I actually really appreciate those references. Um, so I'm going to take that your answer is uh, he is not he should not be a starting running back in the National Football League. I think we've seen enough at this point. I don't see any major steps forward from last year. It looks like the same guy. I got some more stats. I can tell you the guy has more games no, average. Go what? ahead. No, keep keep going, and then I'm going to tell you my, my qualm with you because it, it's not really like I agree with you, but do more stats, and then I'll, I'll we'll have our discussion. So the guy has more games averaging under three and a half yards a carry than he has games averaging five or more yards per carry. That's straight up not good enough, period. Okay, um... I will I will concede with you all of those points. I am not going to argue with you that CEH has not produced on the field 2020 2021. Well, actually no. In fact, he did have a few he had a few games, right? A few diamonds in the rough or at one point, I forget if it was like the first half of the season, he still had the second most rushing yards in the NFL to Dalvin Cook and then that quickly decimated. Um 
I will tell you the two skills that he has and I will devil advocate one of them. So the first one, like you said, at LSU, he was known to be a a running back that can catch the ball and he was involved in the passing game a lot. To his defense, I haven't seen a lot of schemes for CEH, though, in the passing game. Or maybe he's involved, but he's the third or fourth option. And Patrick Mahomes is not doing a check down there, right? Like maybe he's going to his first option. He's going to his second option. And and maybe CEH just is not involved in that because I haven't seen him be involved in the sense that he's getting thrown the ball or even targeted five times in a game, you know? So I would like to see him being targeted five to 10 times in a game before I make the evaluation that he is not a running back that can be involved in the passing game. Two, I do think he's explosive. I think we saw that in the Browns game. I think we saw when yards after the tackle, if he does get tackled out on the uh, in space on the left and the right side, we did see some moments that he is explosive after he gets tackled. Um, now, is that a common trait? No, but I do see explosiveness and I would put that as an attribute for him. So for those arguments, And because we have the time to develop and because we have so many gadgets on this offense, like we saw last week, ton of Pringle, ton of great Demarcus Robinson, which we haven't seen in a while, because we do have those people, I think we can still afford at least another season of seeing if we can get CEH to roll instead of bumping up Darrell Williams, I don't know if that's your proposition, to the counter of CEH not being a starting running back. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. So your question, though, is, is he a starting running back in the NFL, correct? Yep. The man has two games that are the outlier that really stick out. He has week one against Houston last year, and he has week, uh, what was it, five or six against Buffalo, where he went off for 161 yards. Outside of those two outlier games, if you take all of his career starts and average the yards, guess how many yards per game he has? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to lowball you so that I'm more impressed. About 40 yards a game. Barely 45 yards per game. Give me a number of starting running backs in the NFL that average 45 rushing yards per game. I'll wait. Ezekiel so, Elliott for these first couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, dude. Zeke looking real bad right now. Zeke looking real bad. Uh, but uh, <laughs> losing my train of thought. No, but the thing is, I think he is an NFL-level running back. I think at this point it's safe to say he's not a first-round talent because my other question to you would have been, does he do anything you couldn't have found in a fourth or fifth-round running back? No. No. He doesn't, and I, I'm not saying we got to kick him off the team because there are still some things he can do as like a change of pace running back. You know, you bring him in for like an easy dump off route. You bring him in, you know, for a quick slant. You bring him in for some sort of uh, gadget run, but he is not an every down back, and that is still something this team has been missing since Kareem Hunt's been here. So I want to throw you this really interesting proposition. Let's hear it. Would you, would you trade or accept a trade of Kareem Hunt for McCole Hardman and Clyde Edwards-Alaire oh. if he were the Browns. 
God, I mean, of course, they, they would do that in a heartbeat because Kareem Hunt doesn't have any trade value because of his personal issues. Well, I mean, I would take him back at this okay. point. To okay, be well, why don't why don't we nix his personal issues and just talent wise? No, the Browns would not take that trade. I think it speaks volumes. I think it speaks volumes. And you know, this is funny. I, I'm going to ram ran on a cream hunt a little bit more too while we're here. For me, we see cream. You know, like feeling himself after you know running in a two yard touchdown. You know, and be like, hey, do you guys miss me? I just ran on a first and goal from the three on you guys. Ha <laughs> ha! You guys suck. We and, then, and, 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 and then he does a Lambo leap and then Chiefs fan just throw him off. <laughs> yeah, and he's all like, oh, you miss me yet? We don't miss Kareem Hunt when he does that. Not one bit. We miss Kareem Hunt in the games when we can't rush the ball and expect positive yardage from it. We're currently in a situation, have been for the better part of a year and a half now, where when we run the ball, it's essentially to eat a down and 30 seconds of clock. There is there is nothing to be gained from running the ball. We miss Kareem Hunt in the sense of having a running back you can hand off to, eat 30 seconds off the clock, and gain four or five yards per carry. That's what we miss most. You know, but we were just talking last week about, you know, CH was the reason that we won the Browns game, though. Because we had involved him in the offense and that we would give him more carries, it then allowed for Kelsey to get out in space, not being double-teamed, Tyreek not being double-teamed, which we saw a lot in the Ravens game, which is why he wasn't targeted today or this this past game. Um, so for me, I just feel like it's a there's a reason that I don't know. I don't know why Andy Reid is not involving him more. And when he does involve him more, we do see good results. Like, yes, you are correct. He is not big enough right now to run between the tackles. If there is no space, Um, he's not able to explode if there is, if it's congested in there. Um, But other than that, if they are able to give him the ball and give him the targets, especially in the passing game, I feel like that opens up the offense. And we just saw that in week one against the Browns. But I'll say it again. Was it Clyde Edwards-Hilaire opening up the offense or was it just the fact that we were running the ball? Was he doing anything that if we had Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, Charkandrick West, Spencer Ware doing that, it wouldn't have had the same result? Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. I I won't argue with you there because yeah, basically you just like put a running back to do it. Darwin Thompson, even you put them in that same scheme, they should be able to do what they're. You're right. What Clyde Edwards Alaire does. Um, but I'm still going to hold on to the glimmer of hope because that's who I am, Reese, and you are way more fired up than I am on this decimation of the Chiefs, which maybe I should be a little more fired up on. Um, but I'm still holding on to the glimmer of hope that Andy Reid uses CH in the passing game more because I, I can't even remember when we've used him. Like, and, and I'm just not talking this like dump off to the left because he's in space. I'm talking putting him in the slot. I'm talking seeing him go into the slot. I I can't I, I can't name one situation where I've seen him do that that we saw Charkantric West do a thousand times we saw Spencer Ware do a thousand times right and and Ch is more talented than these guys I believe you know we saw that at LSU there's no way that he went from LSU to then to the National Football League and was like oh wait maybe I'm not a good running back you know like he was explosive at LSU. Well, I mean, I, th- I think LSU, it helped that he had a bevy of riches talent-wise around him, which he does admittedly at the Chiefs. But at the NFL level, you know, 
everyone has talent at all positions. Even when even when he was playing in the national title game, it's like the level of talent LSU had was different than the level of talent anybody else had. But you know, it's it's not that way in the NFL. But I'm with you. We can still scheme for him correctly. We're just not using him correctly, and I don't understand why we never see it because the thing they kept talking out of the draft was interesting pick for a first-round pick, but he does have some of the best hands we've seen as a, for a wide receiver in a long time or for a running back in a long time. And I just want to call myself the new Oracle right now because I said, pardon me, I said this in the preseason talk which was everyone's talking, oh, Noah Gray, I can't wait to see what Noah Gray does. He's doing crazy things. You guys are going to see, you're going to see. And even Andy's like, Noah Gray's looking great, looking great. And I said, the last thing I want to see now is just have Noah Gray not do anything all year. You never dial up anything for him. You never see him. Guess what? It's been that way with Clyde's hands. And in two games, it's been that way with Noah Gray. So put your money where your mouth is on both those things, please. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have no argument to that. You're correct. I mean, it, it it really is a shame because, like, we were so hyped to have CEH. Noah Gray, I mean, the I think that that jury is still out, obviously, after two games. But CEH, by the end of the year, if we do not see any schemes of him or any targets or his target share or his running share go up in percentage and it stays the same that it has been 2020 through week two of 2021 and it's consistent through the end of the year, then I will agree with you that CH is just another guy. He's another guy and we'll probably look forward to and they'll probably draft another running back. I just want to say this about CEH too because I know I've railed on him a lot and been very hard on him, which it's a game. I'm sorry. I understand. I just want to make this point clear. CEH lost us the game the reason why we lost though was the defense does that make sense yeah 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 absolutely like like his fumble did not lose us the game right we we shouldn't like you said in the beginning of the podcast we shouldn't be in that situation like we should yes the ravens are good they're 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 very good but it's no excuse no excuse our defense just has to be average even against at quote-unquote elite offense. And being two-faced one more time on him, that fumble was very untimely on a very routine play, and that is what really stuck out like a sore thumb and spurned the, so what is it you do actually do here question that I brought up earlier. <laughs> well, Reese, I think at least people in our wide receiver camp listened to you when you said, so what is it that you do here? Because Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, Travis Kelsey, all these, and even McCole Hardman showed up to or showed up during the game. So now we will transition to the good stuff before we we have a tasty good beer, Reese. So we actually saw some pretty good stuff from the offense, other than Ch. I mean, look, Patrick Patrick Mahomes is never the reason why we lose a game, which is actually really. Um, really amazing still to hear as a Chiefs fan, right? Like I'm sure Tom Brady's lost a few Patriots games um, and that it was Tom Brady's fault that they've lost the games. I can't name one Chiefs loss 
that was because of Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, and it's truly amazing for us to be a part of, and we're so happy to do it, and we're so happy to to be watching it. Um, I mean, he made one blunder today. He made one blunder. It was throwing into double coverage, trying to throw it to Kelsey, and then just makes that stupid interception. But fine. Again, not the reason why we lost, um, and I know he won't do that again. Maybe he'll do it if he needs to, like, in garbage time, but that's a very rare Patrick Mahomes mistake. Other than that mistake, though, look, great pass to Demarcus Demarcus Robinson in that first quarter. Also, Byron Pringle showing that he's faster than McCole Harmon, clearly. And then McCole Harmon saying, wait a minute, I'm fast too, Byron Pringle. Him also having a great game. Reese, um, who, who was the biggest standout out of all of those highlight plays that you saw today against the Ravens? Uh, I mean, we're just not going to count this one because it's an S-tier play, but Travis Kelsey turning that like eight-yard dump-off pass into whatever that was, like a 46, 47-yard oh, yeah. 46-yard, yeah. I mean, that's why it sucks that we lost this game because, that you know, that really should be on his his Canton reel when he's inducted into Hall of Fame. That's as good of a play from a tight end as you've ever seen. And I just want to point out, you know, Gronk made his name by like that one play where he's dragging two guys and they're like, oh, oh wow, he's strong. And then Kittle was his kind of coming out play, uh, you know, a couple of years ago was that one against the Saints where he had two guys dragging off and they couldn't bring him down. They're like, wow, he's like Gronk. Well, guess what, guys? Kelsey just did the exact same thing on this play. So at this point, you can no longer say, well, Kelsey and Gronk are Kittle and Gronk are stronger. Kittle and Gronk are better blockers. Right? It's like, no, guys, it's it's over. Travis Kelsey is an S-tier tight end, and nobody else in the history of the game has ever been an S-tier tight end. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, and it's pretty... Um it's it, it's pretty cool that we have two players on our team that we are confident barring injury are going to go down as the greatest at their position Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey like like and not not just Kansas City fans right we're talking like NFL analysts or like we already know like they are in their prime but we already know that they're going to go down as the greatest in in their tier which is amazing so yes absolutely great i'm sure you were happy to see that 40 yard touchdown to uh or sorry i don't think he had a touchdown yeah no his 40 yard touchdown to byron pringle you know i do have to say uh just vindicating myself here right now because i know i'm always flapping my jaw about what pringle should get more playing time pringle should make more time this game was just the perfect example of how every time he touches the ball he does the right thing he makes the most out of every possession even if making the most out of every possession he gets means going down immediately or running out of bounds. Byron Pringle has a straight-up X-factor intangible that I'm not saying he's prime Jerry Rice or anything. I'm just saying you cannot watch our receiving core and not say from a third-party perspective, oh, that Byron Pringle guy is their second-best wide receiver outside of Tyreek Hill. Yeah, and then, look, this is a huge devil's advocate to the last 30 minutes of us talking about how we probably can't win a Super Bowl as it stands today because of our defensive line. But when you got Mahomes putting all of these people involved in the offense, if I am the defense of the of the Tampa Buccaneers and, and our offensive line is better this year, so now you have that and now they actually have to defend all these people and now they have to defend guys like Byron Pringle. They got to defend guys like Demarcus Robinson. And the reason why these guys were open is because the Ravens were double covering Tyreek Hill. So then... 
Patrick Mahomes is like, fine, go ahead and double cover him. That means Pringle's about to have the greatest game of his life. So that's the luxury that we have here in Kansas City. Um, not only do we have, you know, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, but you also got to watch out for these guys. They're going to have huge plays. I mean, I would have never in a million years thought that Demarcus Robinson can catch a ball double covered, you know, about like 30 yards in that, of course, Mahomes just throws perfectly to him, but Demarcus has to make that play. So, Again, devil's advocate, we have an incredible offense. Everyone knows that. Um, not only do we have a credible offense, before we go into the beer review, special shout out to Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, two interceptions in the first half, the beautiful pick six. I mean, he's a ball hawk. Kansas City, pay that man. Pay that man. Pay that man. And, you know, if, if anything, I think he shows as well what the 2018 defense would have looked like had Eric Berry been healthy, which is I think there would have been a few more highlight diamonds in the turd C that was that defense. Because we, we saw last night, so, you know, Tyron Matthew can get people in position all he can until they have a blown coverage, like in that quote-unquote jump pass to Hollywood Brown where he was wide open on blown coverage. Or, But, you know, long story short, Eric Berry was not going to single-handedly save that 2018 defense, and it showed in how... 2021 Tyron Matthew having the game of his life could not save that defense yeah I was telling my uh, my students today I was like I can only give you guys all of the tools to fix the car but you still have to go in there and fix the car yourself right I'm sure Tyron Matthew is telling him about coverage and saying hey it's uh they're 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 gonna do this or look someone's on the you know all the uh, <laughs> that was a really bad imitation of Tyron Matthew I'm sure he does a lot more than what I just said right now but Tyron Matthew can only do so much on the field right and he can give you all the tools he'll tell you where people are going he'll tell your assignments but you still have to fix the car you still got to do your assignment so anyway for for our rick and morty fans out there to quote ice t overproduced underproduced a bad song's a bad song perfect segue into beer all right ladies and gentlemen we are back a fiery first segment into hopefully a chiller second segment. I hope you have grabbed your own beer because yes, it is your favorite part of the podcast. This week in beer slash beer review. So Reese is going to do the beer review today, but before we do that, we are going to talk about this week in craft beer, which is the great american beer festival 2021 winner list so i know we've talked about the great american beer festival also we refer to on this podcast as gabf um, as you know reese works at boulevard i used to work at Weldworks, so this is a very coveted award ceremony similar to the emmys the oscars the tonys you know it is is the best of best beers um and i guess it was this weekend that we had the awards so reese and i saw some um some friends that we know that have won some awards. So Reese, who are some people that you saw that won some awards at GABF? So first I got to give my homerism shout out to single speed brewing. That brewery just continues to do great things. Last year, taking the gold medal in the session with tip the cow this year, they add a gold medal for contemporary Goza with their ring around the Goza. Oh, nice. Uh, I had that last, yeah, I had that last time I went to the brewery. It's very nice. It's refreshing. 
It's crisp. It doesn't try to do too much. And it's not too watery, which a lot of Gozas can be. Now, on top of that gold, their favorite tip, the calf, actually did take home the uh, Session Beer bronze medal this year. Again, I don't know what constitutes Session Beer. I'm pretty sure that beer was like 6%. But you know what? I don't care because overbrewed, underbrewed, a good beer is a good beer. <laughs> there you go. Let's also give a shout out to um, a hometown favorite, which is BKS Artisan Ales in Kansas City, Missouri. They got silver in the juicy, hazy Imperial IPA category with their beer, Clouds. Reese, have you had that before? Clouds or BKS? Uh, clouds at BKS. I don't believe I've had that. I've had I've had very few of their stuff because their stuff sells out like I mean right literally instantaneously as soon as it goes online. So you know it's it's difficult, but it's good. That's awesome. Shout out to BKS. Let's see. Also, another f- uh, favorite of Reese and Reese's wife Noelle. Holla Daily Brewing gets bronze for Big Henry Hayes Hazy IPA in the gluten-free beer category. Really? Big Henry? Big Henry gets the bronze. And then let's see. There was one more that I saw that I wanted to shout out. Oh, yeah. Our mutual friend in Denver got two uh, two medals. One of them was for Mixed Culture Brett Beer. They got a silver in their Beer Ovale. And our mutual friend is a brewery out in Denver that I've been to quite a few times. I don't think I've reviewed a beer from them. Actually, maybe one, but I'll have to get more beer from them because fantastic brewery. And then they got one more medal. Give me one second. Their last medal was for an Australian pale ale. Um, They won gold for that, and the beer is called Inner Light. So that's pretty cool. I didn't even know Australia pale ale was a thing. That is that is pretty cool. I mean, they have enough hops down there. I suppose it it warrants it. Uh, hey, <laughs> g- can I jump in with a quick update on something? Go for it. So first off, shout out to a uh, patient zero, all powerful friend of the podcast, Jordan Bachman. Uh, we're gonna, we're going to talk about him more later on in a different episode. But right now, I got to say, so you know how I just said that I didn't know how tip the calf was a session when it was like six percent. Uh huh. So I was texting Jordan about this earlier in the week. I said, congratulations, you know, Tip the Calf got a bronze medal in session. He goes, let's tip the cow, bud. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're totally right. There's a can in my cupboard right now. I don't know why I said Tip the Calf. I found out just now that, in fact, there is Tip the Calf, which is a 4.5 session version of Tip the Cow. So I was still wrong because I didn't realize that. And I thought Tip the Cow and Tip the Calf were synonymous things. But... It turns out there is a session version of Tip the Cow. So what you and I drank saying like, wow, they crammed a crap ton of flavor into this session. They still crammed a, a crap ton of flavor into 6% beer, but it was not a 4.5% session beer the way we thought. Shout out to Jordan as well for for sending me some tasty treats from Toppling Goliath, one of our favorite oh. breweries. Um, so not only does, does Jordan support us here on the podcast, but he is also a true friend, obviously a good friend of Reese's. Um, but since I've known Reese and since started this podcast, Jordan's been a great friend to me as well. So shout out, Jordan. We will get you on the podcast very soon. In fact, I know Jordan wants to come on um, to talk 
talk about the beers that he got. I, I guess he was passing by Decora and got a ton of stuff from Topple and Goliath. So he got me a couple of uh, Imperial Stouts that I had asked for. Um, oh, man, they're escaping me what they're called. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh Oh crud! I can see the label I even. I looked at it. Damn it! It's like to- not toasted like, oil, but like Michelin Spitzelin or something like that. I don't know. Keep forgetting what the name of it is, but it's at my home right now. But he got me two of those, and as well as this really cool IPA. So I'll have to try those. But yeah, Jordan will get you on soon, uh, and let's have you because I know Jordan is a sour guy. So I think Jordan got some sours there atop on Goliath. So stay tuned, Jordan, a Patreon subscriber, follower, uh, and a true OG. All right, Reese, are you gonna? have an og beer for us or what what are you gonna have for us today uh, i got an og beer that was also given to me by an og by which i mean you last time you came through if you remember correctly you gave me a few different beers to sip on when you left oh no what's left uh, today i will be bre- <laughs> today i will be reviewing from 21st amendment brewery brew free or die tropical ip yes so Wait, is that the one that I... What was my like top favorite? Was it the one you reviewed last week or this I, one? I think you liked the... The Three you, Floyds? I think it was this you one. You liked the Cotton Candy one, if I remember correctly. No, 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 no. Uh, I, I I think it was this one that was my favorite. I think you liked the Tropical, yeah. I mean, this this is a, it's got some pretty cool, cool can art on it as well. I just remember I liked the Laser Snake because it was a laser snake. Nice. No, I mean, all of them all of them were good, but um, yeah, I think this one might be my favorite. So cool. I'm, I'm hyping it up for you, Reese. So yeah, 21st Amendment, that's a brewery in San Francisco. And for some reason, this, this shop that I went to in Detroit, I mean, they had literally everything. It's so hard to find 21st Amendment anywhere, but lo and behold, Detroit, Michigan. So as I crack this beautiful brew open, Armando, for those who don't listen to our podcast on the regular, can you explain our beer reviewing process? I can kind of explain it because I don't have Wi-Fi, so I can't go back to like our previous Google Docs. So um, you think I would know it after a year and a half, but ladies and gentlemen, I do not. So I'm going to make it up on the fly today. If you're following at home, we have a few categories that we go through, and I'm almost positive the first one that we do is aroma. What does Very that correct. beer smell like, Reese? Man, even from a few inches away, you're just assaulted with tropical goodness. I'm getting notes of mango. I'm getting notes of some papaya, maybe a little bit of kiwi in there. Definitely tropical notes you'd expect in tropical IPA. Also get a bit of a hop dankness to it. Not necessarily marijuana-y, but kind of like the earthy, vegetal, you know, dank caveness of the hops. Love it. It's a very medium to, I would say, uh, large aroma. That makes no sense. It's not. It's not mild, <laughs> medium. If there was like a spicy equivalent I for like you. amount no, of I aroma, feel you. yeah, it's it, it sits between medium and spicy for aroma. So for all of those things going on there, I'm gonna give aroma on this an eight point two. All right, 8.2. And for those of you that don't know, the Dewey Decimal System was created by our guy Noah Metzger here. Metzger metric system. The Metzger metric system. Yeah, we don't just do one through ten. We do all the decimals in between. Okay, Reese, the next thing we do is appearance. How does that that guy look for us? I can already see it looks a little clearer than I thought. 
Yeah, it's uh, a touch clear. It's an India pale ale. It doesn't call itself, you know, a hazy or a New England or a milkshake or anything like that. I would say it's slightly above average hazier for a general IPA. Like if you want with something West Coasty, like the calling from Boulevard, that's fairly clear. This is definitely in the medium category in those regards. Uh, head wise, it's a very foamy head. Uh, varying degrees of bubbles between, I would say, medium small to small. Pretty good head retention. It started off about an inch ahead and it's down to about a half an inch about, you know, two, two and a half minutes later. So I think it's pretty good. Uh, a little bit of carbonation action going on in the glass, so I can't wait to drink it. This looks like a nice IPA. Nothing crazy, nothing, you know, writing the new book on such and such. So I'm going to give another 8.2 on appearance for this. Solid. 8.2. All right. Striking with eights. How about our favorite category, flavor? That's a nice a nice balance between sweetness and uh, hoppiness in there. It's bitter. It's actually a touch more bitter than it smells and than it looks. Uh, it's got a very nice resiny kind of hoppiness to it, which is... Surprising. I, I gotta look up the hop profile on this because getting all those tropical notes I did, I would assume there's probably more southern hemisphere hops in here than like Yakima Valley action. But uh no, it's it's very drinkable. Tasty cold. And uh yeah, a little bit of hop dankness in the back half. So I'm gonna give flavor on this another, you know, eight point two. Just keep rolling eight point twos. Pretty good flavor on that then, Reese. So now let's see, since I don't have my Google Docs open, for those of you playing at home, I'm I'm saying this beautiful home here in Connecticut, just off of the sea. I'm I'm Ernest Hemingway with the bourbon, with the beer. I mean having a great time out here in Connecticut, my man. Um, oh, all to say that I don't, is the next category, is it, is it aftertaste? It's mouthfeel. <laughs> mouthfeel. All right, Reese. Three. Well, no, I'll just leave it in there because that's kind of funny. Uh, what is the mouthfeel on this beer? It's, it's a very carbonated mouthfeel. Very sparkly. It accentuates the bitterness of the hops, so it plays well hand in hand with that. For being a kind of hazy IPA, it's a very old school drinker's IPA in those regards, both in flavor and in the mouthfeel of it. It's crisp. It's uh, probably got the body of about water. I'm going to give mouthfeel on this, actually, an 8.8. .8. All right, 8.8. .8, pretty good. All right, I kind of like that. Kind of making me thirsty for a 21st Amendment. I just went to this brewery out here in Connecticut, which is pretty fun, but... Um Definitely would be nice to have a 21st Amendment. Okay, now, is it is it aftertaste now, Reese? Yes, it is now the aftertaste. You know, I'd say it's fairly uniform between the flavor and the aftertaste. I might get a little more maltiness in the back half of this IPA, which tends to be kind of the opposite for a lot of, like, you know, the, the hazy IPAs we review on this show. You know, you usually get fruit going down, you get hops coming back up. I think because it's so bitter going down, I think the bitterness gets itself out of the way and kind of makes way for the malt breadiness that all beers tend to have to some degree. Uh, so for those reasons, you know, it doesn't fall off a cliff. It doesn't do something weird. Let's wrap 8.6, 8.6 mouthfeel. All right. We're staying within that 8.5, 8.6 category. Great. And now are we at our, um, are we at our favorite category already? 
We're at our favorite category, my friend. We're at our favorite category. All right. So we have the ever-changing category, the BDQ, uh, which changes every time. And you know what? I don't know what to call it right now. Let's see. What have we been talking about? The Ravens. So, um, yeah, nothing good about the Ravens. So BDQ. <laughs> BDQ, which stands for Best Defenses Don't Quit. I threw an extra D in there. <laughs> That's okay, because they needed that. I hope you're listening, defenses, because we, we need you to step it up just a little bit. BDQ on this, uh, I would say this gets this gets a point for being that much better than Laser Snake. Laser Snake was good, similar style IPA. This has just got a little bit more action going on there. Uh, the can art has also got a lot of, you know, eye-popping colors. A little bit, a little bit wordy on the uh, label. You know, I'm trying to figure out like what the name is here because I thought it was Tropical IPA this whole time, but it's like Brew 21st Event Brewery Free or Die IPA. It's it's like that meme. You know that meme uh, where there'll be like a poster of something, and it's like a bunch of words, and it either says you know like uh, be cool, go to the book fair, or it's like written such a way it looks like be fair, go to cool the. You know, and like you have the one like dude like hovering in the background and the one scared kid running from him. Yes. It's it's kinda like that. That's the issue right now. I'm like, is this brew tropical free or die IPA or is this brew free or die tropical IPA? So for making you'll, you'll me never laugh know. for making me laugh for having like you know, inspiring a meme inside of me. I'm going to give BDQ on this a 9.1. Yes, because as we know, for th those followers on Instagram, Reese loves his dank memes. And if you remind dank. him of memes, it's going to be an automatic 9 for BDQ. Awesome. And, th and that's how you know, like, that's how you know, like, BDQ is not just like, yeah, this was a good beer. I give it a good rating. It's like, no, BDQ could be anything. BDQ could be anything stupid. to what is hopefully not a stupid game next week so instead of going into our segue let's just let's just finish it out right here right now reese so we are playing the whatever they are now they're not the san diego chargers but they might as well be the san diego chargers because they probably won't get enough fans there in la but the la chargers we will be playing them um, during that afternoon hour on Sunday, I think it's uh, 2.25 for you. It's probably, what is that, 1.25 kickoff? Noon. Okay, so we got the noon kickoff game there in Kansas City against the LA Chargers. Reese, what is the score and why is it the score for you? I think the final score is 33 to 27 Chargers. I'm worried, man. Okay, now who is scoring that twenty-seven? Are we? Is it just an Eckler decimation, or is Justin Herbert arising from the dead? Oh, I, I think you misunderstood. Thirty-three, twenty-seven Chargers. <gasps> yeah, Reese is predicting serious. our first loss ever in Fountain City sports media history. I was wondering why you weren't more shocked. You were taking that so like cool and nonchalant. And I was like, all right, what are you talking about? Wait, what? Dude. You're predicting our first loss? Okay, now Kansas City fans, Reese, Reese has never predicted a loss for Kansas City. You got to remember, it took until overtime and three Harrison Butker like 58 plus yard field goals in a row 
to knock them out when we played them in SoFi last year. Now, we don't get really a sequel to that because they played our backups and practice squad in Week 17, but what I can tell you is Justin Herbert is a good quarterback. That guy's got a howitzer for an arm. He's like John Elway's like best dream ever because he's like 6'6", can throw like a son of a gun. He's got great pocket presence, and he can also scramble out when needs be. Now, here's the thing, though, that's really interesting. When someone asked me if I thought Justin Herbert could be more dangerous than Phillip Rivers, here's the thing. They can both make the throws that are there, but I would say Justin Herbert is better at making the throws that are there. Unfortunately, a lot of times, those are like 25 yards plus down the field where a guy's on his own island. Herbert's hitting those 99 out of 100 times. It's very good. However, when he gets flushed out and you need that clutch or magician card to kick in on Madden, Herbert ain't got that. That's when Herbert starts making mistakes. Now, not terrible mistakes, mind you, but that's when suddenly, you know, it's like you cut off the hair of Samson, quite both literally and figuratively. That's when he makes those bad interceptions like he had last week and against us last year. What I'm getting at more, though, is that Austin Eckler is a more than capable running back that can gash us and gouge us both with his legs and with his hands. I don't see our defense giving me any reason to believe they can keep this Chargers team under 30, and I think that their defense could be good enough to hold us to under 30. Wow. That is uh, that's a hot take, Reese, because I'm actually going to flip that score on you. I'm going to say it's going to be 35-25 Kansas City Chiefs, which is pretty I'd close to that. what you had said, but we flip it. Okay, because, yeah, I – I think that the Ravens defense is better than this Chargers defense. And we've we've debated on that in the podcast, me saying that the Ravens D is elite. Uh, they didn't look elite, but I mean, it's still a pretty good defense. So I think we're easily going to put 35 on the cheat on the sorry on the Chargers. But I think Austin Eckler is just going to run all over us. I mean, there's there's nothing that Kansas City showed me that they can stop them, even though the Chargers are our rivals. It doesn't matter. I think he's going to have a day. I'm sure Keenan Allen's going to have one or two, you know, blow up plays, <laughs> just like we saw um, Marquise Brown just having an open hole. I'm sure Keenan Allen's going to have an open hole here and there. Um, but I still think that our offense is the best offense in the NFL. We can play the best defenses and still have counters our offensive line looks great i think we beat them pretty handedly but still no answer to our awful d line oh man i'm scared you gotta remind me this game is in uh, arrowhead right Mm, yes i believe so i would i would like to believe that the arrowhead crowd will light a fire under the butt of our team enough to get them to make some stops but man if you want a team that's just gonna potentially gash you on third down it really could be this Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler team, man. I'm scared. You know, I am I am hoping. I am hoping you are wrong, Reese, but we will find out on Sunday. Stay tuned for some more content that we have, and hopefully we are in a better mood, and hopefully we are crowning Frank Clark the most improved player on this team. Yeah, Frank needs to be red hot if you catch my drift. <laughs> to 
thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Thank you.